Well, thank you so much for coming today. I'm Lori, I'm one of the pastors here. And as Kat said, it's Palm Sunday. And the image of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, not with horses and an army, but on a donkey that wasn't even his, is like the, such an accurate picture of a person who has let his ego go. And that's what we talked about last week, how ego is not our amigo, and how we need to let go of our ego. And today, I'm gonna take a preaching tip from Jesus, and I'm going to tell a story that will illustrate today's attitude, I guess, that kind of blurs our vision of who Jesus is, and, and what his heart is, and, and how he's moving, and, and what his kingdom is like, or how we would say, how we experience heaven together. And so once upon a time, there was a young man of color who was out with his friends, and a group of men started walking towards them, and it was clear that they were looking for this young man, and he knew it. One of the young man's friends, he took out his weapon, and he injured one of the officers. But the young man told his friend to stop. He's like, stop that. I, and he told the men, I am gonna go peacefully, but let my friends go. They didn't do anything. I didn't do anything, but they didn't do anything. And so they took the young man into custody, they stripped him, yelled horrifying insults at him, and they beat him. And it was a strategy to exert power over the, criminal, over the criminals, hoping to humiliate, shame, and dehumanize. But however, you know, this young man, he was innocent. He wasn't a criminal. And so for hours, he was mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually abused. He experienced evil at its worst. He was under, traumatized. And when they were done torturing him, they felt confident that this young man was not gonna cause any more trouble. But then another group of people, the group that this man belonged to, his community, they wanted him dead. And they were given their wish. And so this young man, beaten so badly that he was barely recognizable, was forced to walk a half a mile to where they would hang him. And by this time, most of the town came out to watch. And his friend who was with him at his arrest, he hid because he was afraid of being beaten and hanged as well. And so the officials hanged this young man and they waited for him to die. But the young man's mother was with him. She had watched her son from afar as he walked through the city. She was never hostile, never protesting. And as he sat, as he's hanging there, she sat there with him. She courageously sat and held his pain and his suffering with him. And as a mom who loves her son, she waited and wanted to be with him and not miss his last breath. So who saw the young man? Was it his friend who was arrested or was it his mom? Not literally saw him, but who saw his heart and what he was trying to do and, and what his purpose was? It was his mom, right? And you guys probably know that it was his mom, Mary, and that the person, this young man of color that I'm talking about is Jesus. And we don't know if Mary fully comprehended who Jesus was or how he was moving or what his kingdom looked like, but she stayed with him. 
She experienced his pain and suffering with him because she loved him so much. She allowed herself to be open and see what he sees. And I can't imagine Peter's reaction, right? If you see this big mob coming after you, you know, walking up towards you, you're getting fight, flight, fright, and fight, fight, you know, that mode. And I can imagine he's like in fight mode, right? And he's, he can't help, but his, you know, his body is just like, I got to do something because my life is at threat. And, and God made our bodies to react like that. And, and so he gets his sword and he cuts the ear off of one of the officials. Maybe to prove, you know, to save his own life, to save Jesus and the disciples' life, maybe to protect, you know, maybe he was trying to prove that he was the hero because we know at that time Peter had kind of a big ego. But at that time, anyone associated with a guilty person would be tortured and killed too. And that's why Jesus quickly healed the soldier's ear because he needed to be innocent when he went to trial and he wanted Peter to be innocent because he needed Peter to, to be alive and to carry on this movement that he was starting. And I have to tell you that I am such a Peter. I do whatever I can to avoid pain. I don't like cleaning and organizing. I know I say this all the time and you've seen pictures of my house. But during COVID, I cleaned and organized so much to avoid the pain and loss that we were experiencing. And if you came to my house, you'd be like, well, you cleaned and organized for two years. But yes, I did. That's how bad it was. <laughs> but at the heart of who Jesus is, he's the one who chose to experience the horrors of evil with us because he loves us. And we know that it wasn't easy. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it was a struggle. And his father had to help him and encourage him and empower him to do it. But in Jesus' life and death, we see him entering into our pain. We see him holding our pain and suffering with us. Not because he had to, not because his dad told him to, but because he loves us. Richard Rohr wrote, the cross was Jesus' voluntary acceptance of undeserved suffering as an act of total solidarity with the pain of the world, with our pain. Jesus chose pain because of, of love, and he's inviting us to do the same. Because avoiding pain, it blurs our vision. We can't, we don't fully see who Jesus is and how he's moving and what his kingdom is like and how we can experience together if we're trying to, to avoid pain. We are in the midst of COVID when hopefully that's ending. Well, I don't know. You know what I mean. We're in the midst of witnessing a war and are feeling the, the consequences of that war. Some of us are battling cancer. We have conflict with loved ones. We have mental struggle, mental health struggles. We have financial struggles. And don't we want God to be like Peter and like, God, get your sword and take care of it. Remove our pain and suffering. But when God didn't remove Jesus's pain, Jesus named it. He leaned into it, and he named it. And he didn't just whisper it. He didn't just try and hold it in, but he yelled it. In Matthew 27, 45 through 46, this is when Jesus has been on the cross. Um, from noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
He didn't try to hold it in. He didn't try to suck it up. But he, he, he yelled it for everyone to hear. And he borrowed the words of King David. So let's look at Psalm 22, 1 through 8. And, and, and Pastor Stan showed me this passion uh, translation, which I'm learning to really love. So this is where, where it come from, comes from. Psalm 22 says, God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant from refusing and refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for help in the night? Isn't our fear and our pain so much worse at night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Yet I know that you are the most holy. You are God and throne, the praise of Israel. Our father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted in you, and you came through. And every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. But I am like a worm, crushed and bleeding crimson, treated as less than human. I've been despised and scorned by everyone, marked by their jeers, despised by their sneers, all, as all the people poke fun at me, spitting their insults, saying, is this the one who trusted in God? Now let's see if Yahweh will come to your rescue. Let's see how much he delights in him. You see, King David and God, they ask the question that we all ask. Like, we've seen God heal. We've seen God remove pain. But will he do it for me? And this is so important. This is such an important moment because Jesus is yelling in agony. Not so much of the physical and, and, and uh, the, you know, the pain that he experienced and the torture and the trauma. But his pain comes from feeling abandoned by his father. He's feeling alone. And Jesus' anger and yelling at God, it gives us permission to do the same. It's our invitation to do the same. So that we can cry out in our pain authentically, being who we are. And some would say that's disrespectful. But even in as we cry out in pain, we're still acknowledging who God is and what he can do. We're still, we're still worshiping him. And so Jesus, he shows us how we can be authentic and angry and discouraged and disappointed and how God can hold that. He can contain that. He holds our pain and suffering with us. You, we can, I'm sorry, we can even probably swear at him and God would be okay because that is how deep our pain is. He can handle it just as he did with Jesus. Our lament is an act of worship. And so at the end of Psalm 22, King David acknowledges who God is. He says the future generations will be told about God and proclaim his deliverance. And so King David and Jesus in their lament, they hold both heartache and hope. They hold both the trauma of Friday and the hope of the resurrection in, on Sunday. He's living the Saturday life. Isn't that the life of Saturday? We have the history of our trauma and our pain and the hope for tomorrow that only Christ can bring. He's living the Saturday life. And most of the time, Jesus, as we've experienced, and some of us who are older and have experienced this more, we know that God is not always going to remove our pain. And he, but he will always be like Mary and sit with us in our pain. 
He will give us the courage and the grace that we need to choose, like Christ, to experience our pain and to experience the pain of others. And as we name our pain, I don't know how this happens, and really, because I avoid so much pain so long, is I'm still learning it. But as we name our pain out loud and bring this pain out into the light with God and with others, he heals it, he hears us, he sits with us, he cries with us, and he, he transforms it, he redeems it. He grieves with us, and he helps us listen to our pain and, and what it's telling us about ourselves and our relationship with him and how we see him. Our pain, when we bring it out into the, into the light and say it out loud, it loses its power, and we can experience the hope of new life and the hope of freedom. And I think that's why Mary was able to sit with Jesus because she was older and she knew what pain and suffering was like. And, 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 and she understood that in other traumas in her life, she experienced hope. So in this worst trauma that she could ever imagine, watching her son being tortured and dying on the cross, that she, there is hope. Can we see it? I love, I, I don't get this, I'm just starting to get it, but I love how Jesus, after the res resurrection, he kept his scars. As I get older, I'm like, why would you keep your scars? But Jesus kept his scars, he didn't remove them because his scars are meaningful to him. They're part of who he is. They're part of the love that he, he expressed for his father and for all of us and even for himself. They mean something to him, they're part of who he is because he's living the Saturday life. And he's inviting us to live the Saturday life too. How we can hold both the Friday, the trauma of Friday and the pain and suffering of Friday with the hope that we find in the resurrection on Sunday. And this happens when we are bring our pain out in the presence, out loud, out of the dark and into the light with God and one another. And so I'm gonna ask the worship team and Pastor Stan to come forward and, and to give us an exercise or practice for how we can um, live the Saturday life. Saturdays are not fun. People tell us that Saturday is supposed to be fun, but it's not. And sometimes, when we face our Saturdays, it's more about what we feel we've lost than what we can hope for. So I would invite you to, to apply what Pastor Lorius so eloquently stated, that actually to see pain is to be able to share it that there is no such thing as just holding your pain inside and that's enough. Because it's not. It will eat at you. Because it was designed to be shared. And the first place it's designed to be shared with is with God. Because as Pastor Lori said, there is nothing that you can ever say, feel, or think that's gonna shock God. 
And so you can be completely and totally honest. And we talked about messy. You can be completely and totally messy. It doesn't have to be all put together. It can be just raw. And in that rawness, God says that you are loved, that I feel it. He will never tell you, you don't need to feel this. He will say, I want to feel this with you. I want to share it with you. Because only as you share it, are you going to be able to, to see what Pastor Laurie described as, it will not define you. The scars that Jesus shows after his resurrection, I believe, are for each one of us, just as it was for, for Thomas, to say, I don't ever want you to think that I forget about you, that I just give you a good life and I haven't seen your pain. I haven't faced what you faced with you, that I haven't been there with you. That's why I believe part of the, uh, from the Old Testament, and, and Peter quotes it, by his stripes we are healed, by his wounds. And so actually, the healing does not come from being able to get beyond it, to, to like the world teaches us, well, start thinking good thoughts, or, or just get, get beyond it. Just think about Sunday. No, God says, Remember, there will be a Sunday, but remember also that I'm with you in the Saturday. In the Saturday, one of the things that, the, that his followers did and his mother was they gathered together. And we don't know what they said. Maybe they didn't say a whole lot. Maybe they all just cried. Maybe they all just said, I don't know what's going on. What happened? And that was okay, because that's what it means to allow us to see who Jesus is. Because in that moment, they saw that Jesus was with them through their shared pain. And the same is true today. He invites us to share our pain. So I'm gonna give us a messy minute I'm not going to ask you to do what Pastor Lori did with his, her house and try to put it all together and get it organized. I'm going to ask you to sit in the mess. And I'm going to ask you to identify maybe the places where you don't want to look at. Or you think that if I look at this, I'm never going to get out of it. I'm going to invite you to, to take a small step and say, Lord, I want a glimpse into that. And maybe it looks all dark and things. And so into that messy minute, I would ask you to light a single candle that God will provide. And the candle will not dispel all of the darkness, but it will, it will show that there is light in that darkness. So I'm going to give us a minute to just allow the Holy Spirit to let you know You can be in your mess, and it's okay. That is not where you're going to wind up with forever and ever. 
that there is an expiration to it. And that expiration is the Sunday coming. But don't try to, to force your way through it. Don't try to, to let fear of the Saturday keep you from experiencing the fullness of the Sunday. So let's take a minute. That you are the one who initiated the first step toward the mess. That you could have just left it and said, everybody has to pay for their consequences. But instead, you said, no, I'm going to give you, I love each of you so much that I want to give you a second chance. And that second chance doesn't just mean a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. No matter how many times that we may turn away from you, that you will never turn away from us, that you will constantly be pursuing that. So Lord, I know that you know, Jesus, what it is to feel like everything has been so unfair, that all that has happened to me I didn't deserve this. That you know what that feels like. And you also know how the Father's love can sustain you through that. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that even on the cross, I believe you were with Jesus, feeling it with him, and letting him be in touch with the emotion that his body was, was feeling the physical, abuse, but you, Holy Spirit, were sharing with Jesus' spirit the emotional abuse, the psychological abuse, and ultimately the, the uh, lie of the enemy that somehow that God has forsaken you. So I thank you, Lord, that we can be, as Pastor Lori said, that honest, that we don't have to sugarcoat what we feel that we just need to state it. And before you, we can know that you will not condemn, but you will seek, first of all, the connection and then the healing. So may we feel your emotional hug in those places where we think we've had to face this all by ourselves and nobody else can help us. And every time we've tried it's just been a, a like a hamster on a wheel that's spinning. And may we just be able to see you, Holy Spirit, in a way that is not physical, but is emotional. Because you live in emotion. And that you want us to know that you dwell there too. And we don't need to be afraid of it. Lord, for courage for each person here and each person who's looking in on this, that you will let them know that you see them and that you love them and that what you have for them is not what they feel at that moment. 
but you have something greater. So help them know that you're right there with them and will not leave them behind. I thank you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 